0: Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Monday, June 1st. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you the edge as we start a brand new week, Kevin, looking at the world of sports. And I got to tell you, right, we have been talking about this, how are sports going to return? There was a major kind of call in the NBA, so we're starting to get some of The details that we have been talking about um, over the last few weeks, you know. And here's what I got out of this, you know, kind of the headline news. And obviously, we'll get your perspective and kind of see where we go from here. What I've heard, as far as the actual kind of like news items of it, Mm -hmm. right? That um, I'm hearing. We've got a new target start date. Remember Spencer Dinwiddie started talking about July 15th. Then we heard maybe later in July, we heard maybe even into August. It yeah. sounds like I'm hearing now the end of July, like July 31st seems to be a new target date that Adam Silver kind of has put out there. Another thing we heard in the call, at least you know, going into the weekend at first, there was this idea that you know Silver was talking to the owners Right. Mm-hmm. But the word, the quote that I heard that I thought was interesting was that there was, quote unquote, no broad consensus. Right. Mm-hmm. So at first, everyone's still kind of, you know, maybe being a little selfish, thinking about how it relates to yeah. them. But the other part that I do think is interesting and fits to the kind of harmony aspects that you were talking about last week is the idea that a lot of people, whether it was Giannis in a quote or whether it's some of the owners in quotes are saying, but we trust in Adam. Right. Yeah. And Adam Silver as the commissioner, you're seeing owners sort of saying, like, listen, we're giving him our perspective. But then Adam is going to do what he thinks is best or what he thinks is right. And yeah. that is clearly a level of faith, a level of confidence in the commissioner that we don't necessarily see in uh baseball right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, as far as I understand, it seems like. We do not have complete agreement yet, Kev, on what the return is going to look like in terms of the playoff format. Um, We've we heard some things that maybe they're leaning towards the 20-22 to 22 team World Cup draw, but still, this weekend, we have heard everything from uh, keeping it Eight in the East, eight in the West, right? We've heard uh, reseeding one through 16. We've heard the idea of 20, 22, 24 World Cup kind of draw formats. That's three. And we've heard the idea of bringing all 30 teams back and getting the regular season of about 72 games. You've made a great point about the idea of the television contracts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something that needs to be addressed. There are some teams that need to get to the 60 or 70 plateau to honor that commitment, which by the way is about money, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, then we also heard, I would say, this is the other part that I wanna mention before we get into your reaction and try to you know, piece these things together. Um, late last week, We had a conversation about the confidence meter, right, Mm -hmm. Kevin? You know, and and you were um, more confident, say, in basketball than in baseball. My answer back was more that it was like kind of still TBD, incomplete until pen was put to paper. But I did see a quote that I found interesting, Kev, from the uh, president of the Players Association, Michelle Roberts, right? And when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, there's Kevin's confidence meter right there. She was on HBO Real Sports, Kev, Mm -hmm. and here's the quote, okay? Um, I would decrease my projection from an eight out of 10 to a six out of 10 given the recent comments. Then she says, I have started to receive concerns expressed by players now that babies are being infected. Mm. So those and other heightened concerns have now come into the conversation. I want to stop there, okay, because that sounds on some level like the NBA Players Association president is decreasing her confidence meter as we go deeper and deeper down the path of actually finding the details. However, it does seem, Kevin, to your point, owners, players are going to kind of be like "In Adam Silver we trust. And I think that is a huge um, difference than what we are seeing in Major League Baseball. What were your reactions to the call and some of the back and forth, whether in social media or in what we expect to happen? It looks like a vote is going to happen later on this week, at least for the owners to ratify their side of the proposal. But then again, that will then kind of like start the negotiation, right? Because then that'll be the formal thing that the players have to kind of respond,
1: reject, approve, or what have you, right? So there's a lot to unpack there. Some things we'll have to yeah, we'll have to we'll have to circle back. Yeah, we'll go piece by piece. I think the biggest thing, though, right, is trying to figure out how they will resume, or I guess what it looks like when they resume. Yeah, there's like three or four options, though, right? It seems though that it is the the idea of it'll be 20 to 22 teams going back. Again, to me, when you get the reports from Adrian Wojnarowski, those things are a lot closer being written in stone than pretty much uh, most reporters. right? He is Adam Shafter. Like those are the equivalents uh, of for those sports. And he most recently said it seems it is a growing belief that there's going to be twenty two teams uh, that end up making their way towards Orlando. I will say the the thing that jumped out to me very uh, early on is because initially, Adrian Wojnarowski was, unable to report to us the full details in terms of like even the number right. of teams going right it was able to report that the next time Adam Silver speaks with the owners which is supposed to be then on Thursday I believe right that's when the vote supposed to there's happen there's going to be a vote it's going to in large part overwhelmingly pass through so that to me right there was it was almost um, I-, I chuckled to myself the idea that they know it'll pass but they don't know what will pass, kind of, I felt like, gives us an idea of where the NBA, at least on that side of the things, is a complete trust in Adam Silver and understanding that something has to be done and they have to move forward. And I think part of that is if I'm inviting 22 of 30 teams, Dane, and I get 22 teams, then the thumbs up, you've got yourself a majority, A, a considerable one at that. Mm-hmm. So that's that the owner side,
0: for the owner's side,
1: for the owner's for the side. proposal that will then go to the players. Right. Now, the comments by Michelle Roberts to yeah. me, are very, very interesting. I do okay. think it is it is worth noting that those comments were pre Friday's phone call. Sure. And I, I'd love to, you know, kind of get her, her thoughts more recently. I absolutely cannot help laugh, though, as she legitimately uses a confidence meter. Yeah, that's why when I saw it, I was like, and oh, then I, I this it was like confidence meter. It was like pulling teeth from you to agree no. to <laughs> use a confidence meter. No, but then when we see her confidence is dwindling on
0: some point as we are hearing more details, you know, and what, and again, this is still something. We do not know what the proposal looks like. You just said it, right? They think it'll pass, but we don't know what it's going to be. So that means the players don't know what it's going to be just yet either, right? And so we don't... For example, one thing that I heard, maybe even from one of your big boys, uh, maybe it was like Windhurst or Rachel Nichols recently, that one of the things that's very important to the players is this idea of the family, Yep. okay? And being able to come uh, maybe into the bubble or not. But Kevin... It's just strict math, okay? Um, let's say there's 1,000 people allowed in the bubble, mm-hmm. right? Okay, we know how much a team, the coaching staff, the team employees or whatever, we know how many people they need to put in the bubble. Well, by definition, Kev, if you've got 20 teams in the bubble, mm-hmm. then that allows for those teams to bring more family members in, right? Right. If you have 24 or 22 or anything else, more teams, then that by definition, when you do the math, right, yeah. that will allow them to have less family members allowed in the bubble. And maybe it's the difference between two and four, maybe. Who knows? We That's the point. We don't know yet. But apparently that's one of the issues that is important to the players. So whenever this proposal comes and we know how many teams will be involved, that's something that will then be batted around you know, by the players. Another big piece I heard of this that you have brought out is the idea of those television contracts, right? And getting to the 60 or 70 <clears throat> goals. Yeah. You know, Kev, you're, you're correct. If 22 wanna get in, that's a majority, right? But I don't think it's gonna be that easy when the eight teams or however many teams, when those teams don't have the opportunity or more of a runway to get to fulfill those contracts, they're gonna bitch and they're gonna be like, what about the regular season option? So we can all cross that threshold. Like there is still some details to be ironed out. And regardless of what the presentation is, that's gonna cue um, opinions,
1: feelings, reactions from the players and the players associations. So the Hawks are gonna be upset when they don't go to Orlando, but they're not going to Orlando.
0: unless Unless the plan is for all teams to resume and finish the regular season, which is out there.
1: But it, to me, it's not anymore. That's how I see it. To me, when Adrian Wojnarowski says they're going to go with 22 or 20, or 20 to 22 teams, we're done with that thing. We've we should have we should have been done with it too, right? Because clearly, as you just alluded to, right, a big sticking point for players in, in order for them their willingness maybe to come has to do with families. Okay, so now if I need to have families are coming, that means less teams are coming, right? And that's and one of the things is right, like this families issue was not brought to us through Michelle Roberts talking about what is important to her players. It was brought to us in an Adrian Wojnarowski report before that phone call ever happened, because what they're doing so well is continuing to keep their thumb on the pulse of both sides of the negotiations, almost merge the two sides as one, and they've been prepping and trying to figure out the logistics of bringing these teams' families aboard. So I just and also there's an idea to me at least that the NBA is not being short-sighted in things, right? Because let's just call it the the back eight teams have sure. still been able to make, you know, I, I don't know, if, I don't know if they've crossed profitable. With I'd assume they have. Could be wrong, but I would assume they've crossed profitable based on the amount of games that are played, and it would be short-sighted of them to try and hold up the rest of the negotiations considering all of the money that still exists out there for playoff deals and what have you because you want to watch Trey Young and Clint Capella get some reps in to make sure that that trade you made with the Rockets wasn't a bad one yeah but i don't know about the but the the but that's not the priority
0: though for the, the for the Hawks though the priority for the Hawks is not to get Trey Young out there to get some it reps it is
1: it is that's what they said that they well, want to watch the young guys play. No, but they need to fulfill the contract, Kevin. But that's been a lost idea for so long. They have, they've gone out on record saying we re- like it's been reported. They want to watch the young team play together. They are concerned about the layoff from March to next December or January for their young team. Alright, we still got more to talk about on this
0: We see how it looks in Major League Baseball And we get on the field as well We're off and running It's a brand new week here on the Early Line Come on back, we'll give you the edge
2: SportsGrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers The most important topics in sports wagering Real-time odds, predictive betting models Expert picks and more Want the edge? Then get on the grid SportsGrid.com
0: All right, welcome back, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin starting out the week trying to figure this all out, all right, because we all want, right, Kev? Everybody wants sports to come back. We want to see our favorite players, you know, trying to get a Stanley Cup, getting out there to start our national pastime and finishing up what has been an amazing NBA season. You know, I mean, Kevin, like for the first time in a while, You know, we haven't had this conversation, but literally for the last, what, four or five years, it's been like, wake me up in June when it's LeBron versus the Warriors, right? And one of the reasons we were so excited about this season is because it was going to be different. So many young stars emerging, the balance of power somewhat potentially shifting. So we hope we do get it back. We also hope we get you know, a portion of a Major League Baseball season, right? Opening day has come and gone. We've seen that the uh, the front offices, the teams, Major League Baseball has made their proposal. Obviously, it's not one that the players like. You know, we uh, you have faith, the confidence meter, that the NBA proposal will be one that the players like. I'm still saying, you know, wait and see. We'll see what happens this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Major League Baseball, one thing we do know is that they're not pleased with the proposal that has come. And then we hear everybody from Max Scherzer to Blake Snell talking about this. And it seems like the Players Association will finally have a response sent, right, Um, tomorrow. Okay, but what we are seeing is that they're going to, quote unquote, insist on the prorated agreements. Has your thinking on this changed at all now that you see kind of like the owners saying that they're going to lose more money? Max Scherzer saying, I don't believe you open up the books. And this idea of higher end players, you know, taking more of the hurt as much as like an 80 percent cut potentially, while players at the million range, I think we looked at it last week, you know, would in essence, make like 45, almost the 50%, albeit on an assumption on 81 games half the season. Yeah. We're also hearing that the Players Association uh, proposal or rebuttal, response, may include, like we talked about, more games, mm-hmm. which would have you know maybe a greater fraction of that pro-rated. What do you think's gonna come down when we hear about this tomorrow? You're very confident that we're gonna hear, you know, smiles and happy stuff on Thursday with the NBA. What do you think on Tuesday
1: with Major League Baseball? So baseball is in a very, very interesting spot. And I I do genuinely believe that the situation of them seeing if they could find a way to have the top players make less percentage-wise than the lower-level players. I mean, we saw through it immediately, right? And then Max Scherzer confirmed that everybody saw through it. Uh, Solidarity. Right. As, (laughs) As a way to basically, you know pit the players against one another if it was going to accomplish nothing else, and they weren't even able to successfully do that. The issue is when you do things like that, right, when you try and take two people that are co-workers or friends, whatever it might be, and you try and sit back and play puppet master and pin them against one another, when it doesn't work and when they figure it out, you find yourself in a spot where they don't forget those type of things. Right. They'll always kind of remember how you've gone about. Got certain- through the wars together kind of thing. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I had a, a moment actually after reading that Max Scherzer post, and it felt extreme, so I kind of wanted to wait on it. That's why I didn't uh, really bring well, it up when we had last spoke. But I, I think there might be a decent argument to be made that baseball shouldn't even bother with the season. What's that? I, I, I just think when you look at, at this, like – to me, financially, they seem to be they seem to be mi- miles away financially right. because they're throwing out ideas of, you know, prorated salaries on the player side of things, and the players are like, okay, well, how about we play some more games? Um, and they're obviously sitting there saying, no, like, you need to take 50% of 50%, or the top players can take 80% right. of 50%. Like, something else needs to be worked out there. And another part of the reason I say that is just the – Fact that they've already missed what was to me this big window of opportunity. Clock is ticking, so I, I think about the KBO. Right, remember when the KBO started? Yeah, I Everybody, you set your alarm, brother. Yeah, and and then it stopped. Right, like mm-hmm. bless Jared Smith. I know he's still betting the the, the KG bet. Wizards every single night, but I mean, it's just you don't see people talk about the KBO in that same way. It's just faded. That first UFC 249 card, which there was a lot of excitement around, and it was a fun, fun card. In fact, considering the card, you would think that that would get a lot more people to stick around. But I look at the UFC fight night that we just had pass, and I didn't see a ton of conversation or anywhere near the same amount. And we talked about it. What was it, like their third or fourth
0: card in like a week or two? And we talked about it waning, although your uh, dogs in the main events continue to happen. But I digress. Keep on going, going.
1: Kev. Like it's not just the dot we, they, like they're not only just winning like yeah. by flukes they're like performance of the
0: careers. Yeah. Like in, well, you quiet. were looking at plus money. We talked about plus money potentially in the NBA in the NHL playoffs as an option. Yeah. After yeah. the after the uh, break, right? We've yeah. talked about uh, these plus money uh, in Bundesliga, so maybe yeah. that is one of the trends. We'll touch on that a little bit. I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but it's all, I knew I get
1: a reaction. Yeah. Of the okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um. But you see, like, it, it starts to dwindle. So one of the biggest things is you can try and, again, capitalize on the, the bear market. You can try and get out there and be first and, and get yourself kind of going. And the way that the baseball negotiations have gone, right, because the further that they go back, then the, the timeline has to move back because they need their mm-hmm. training camps to get ready. And if baseball is just going to start at the same time, is, because you have to look at what they'd be going up against. Mm-hmm. Whether you like baseball. The entire world of sports. And it's not just the entire world of sports, but it's the NBA and the NHL at their peak, which is yeah. the playoffs, as well as potentially both college football and the mother of all, the, the National Crown. Football League. But yeah, like majors in golf. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, that's kind of, the, that's why I started to think that is, if they're basically now not going to take advantage of nobody else playing, find themselves going up against what is just a comp- like competition that puts them in right. fourth, even behind the NHL, and the negotiations are as difficult as it seems, and the fact that they'd have to reset their seasons because mm-hmm. of like this would now mess up the timeline so much. Right, the ripple effect into the 2021 season. I, I'm not saying I don't want a baseball season. I just, it was one of those things to me is like, Continue to look through it, Dane. I found myself saying, maybe just cancel the thing and just move on. I
0: I hear you. And remember, as soon as we started talking about this, right, one of the things we said was the time is ticking. Think about this. You know, with the NFL draft, we said it was the only game in town. When the UFC was doing it, it was the only game in town. I even gave you word from our boy Jared Smith talking about, like, the NSWL, right, or NWSL, women's soccer, May Purposely try to be out there first to capture the attention and be the only game in town. We're now hearing, let's say the NBA plays out according to all reports, right? And there's games in August or so July 31st, right? Let's say the NHL is happening at around that same time frame. We originally thought baseball, you know, we were talking about Independence Day, right? Mm-hmm. That in that scenario, if they had their act together and accelerated the process, right, and were good at the negotiating table, which the NBA is not at just yet, but if they were good at the negotiating table and they did get there, Major League Baseball would be, you know know the term boys of summer? They'd be the only game in town for the month of July, right? And they would be able to maybe take advantage of it, you know, do some new cool things, mic up some players, give us different camera angles to capture the attention of the sports fan, but they may be pissing that opportunity away in this back and forth. Absolutely, Kevin. On this point, another thing that I've seen. That, you know, just adds to the bad look. I'll agree with you on that, bro. This is a bad look for Major League Baseball. And another part of this is that a lot of Major League Baseball franchises, as we turn the calendar to June, are laying off their minor league players, Kev. And this is, you know, another one of these ripple effects that I guess is somewhat obvious, Right, I wonder if the end what the NBA is doing with their G League teams, you know. We've talked about we've talked about smaller franchises and smaller leagues being able to sustain the losses in the same way mom and pop stores versus the big chains do, given this COVID pandemic. It looks like you know the Angels are furloughing staff, the Brewers, mm. the A's, you know, the pirates had to come out and make a point saying no, 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 they're gonna honor and pay their staffs, you know, because of the public relations look of all this. What do you think? Think about the added component, Kevin, of these minor league players being let go or furloughed. And if they Mm. do have the proposal, remember, there was these expanded rosters, the taxi squads. That's jobs for 20 extra dudes on every organization. That's another reason I believe there's pressure to get this done. They're they're
1: laying people off, and it continues to be a bad look, Kev. So... I was listening again, but, you know, because you, I, I try and listen to as many people as possible, right? Sure. Get, you don't know, kind of get their ideas and it, you know, it keeps the mind flowing. Sure. And, you know, there was this conversation about how the players will never be able to get the public on their side. As stupid as that is to me, that you, people would relate more to billionaires than millionaires, right? That they would relate more to employers than employees. As much as that, that is just a concept that escapes me, right? I guess I can't necessarily deny it that they're not going to really be able to get people on their side because we don't necessarily like if I were to say, hey, who's the owner that's given you given us um, like the comments that really raised your eyebrow in Major League Baseball? There just isn't one. Right. Right. But everybody knows about Blake Snell. Right. Blake Snell has now made himself the face of Major League Baseball mm. or what was said, even though I have no problem with what Blake Snell said. Nevertheless, But, and I'm not saying that David Price did this for optics, I think David Price clearly is showing that he's a very, very good person. But if there was one way to kind of turn things around. In public opinion, you mean? Yeah, it is, watch, again, the billionaires fire people and then the millionaires step up and say, you know what, we'll take care of them. Because now that the BS notion that those guys are greedy and selfish goes out the window, right. and hopefully this does have that type of effect. And I w- again, I will say, I do not think that is why David Price is doing it. Oh, no, 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 ignore, right. ignore that it is a part of what is going you. on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've seen this in other places, in the NBA, right? Didn't Kevin Love step up for the Quicken Loans Arena folk? Didn't uh, Zion Williamson do similar things for Pelicans, other staff and employees early on in this pandemic, right? And then owners, like you said, the billionaires almost had egg on their face. So Cuban came out and was like, no, 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 we're going to do that also. And as you've mentioned, David Price, who, by the way, has only been a Dodger for like a month and a half, right, (laughs) has come out and said that he is going to give his own stimulus Package. $1,000 to every Dodgers minor leaguer for the month of June. So, you know, here at the early line, we definitely tip our cap to what David Price is doing. I think you're right, Kevin. I don't think this is a a gesture like to look good in the media. This is not the kind of uh, dog and pony show of a guy going to the children's hospital just because he knows the camera is going to be there, also, you know. I do think this is an authentic gesture. And so we do tip our cap to David Price. hopefully, by the time June is done, right, these players will have more clarity on where they're getting their next paycheck, or if the season is cancelled and they need to go ahead and go find other work. When we come back, though, we turn our attention to a sport we have yet to discuss today, the NFL. When the season does happen, because remember, they can follow the blueprint, we're going to try and find the season leaders, the superlatives. There's some futures bets out there. Remember, we've talked about some of these guys already in our spotlight. We'll try and see who leads The league in rushing and receiving. When we come back, it's the early line right here on SportsGrid.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Welcome back into the early line here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, he's Kevin Walsh, and we're going around, you know, What does it look like? How confident are we that labor peace will reign supreme and we'll start seeing action in American team sports later on this summer? But once we get to fall, the NFL ain't going anywhere, okay? The NFL can occupy small countries, both militarily and economically, if need be. And so we all believe that they will be playing in the fall. Remember, have we even heard that like the state of Texas is ready to have a quarter of fans there, right? Ohio State yeah. said they're ready to have thousands of fans there. So, you know, and it's been three months. Kevin, Mm -hmm. it's been like three months. So imagine three months from now what it might look like, right? It could in a great way go that we have 50% of fans that we're really encouraged, that there is widespread testing. However, unfortunately, there is a fork in the road where we could be in the middle of a second wave as well. Because both of those are possible. I don't know just yet, but we'll figure it out. One of the things we were looking at was like league leaders, right? We talked about the passing leaders, I believe, when we looked at guys like Dak Prescott and other guys. so let's look at the rushing totals, because, you know, we've been going team by team. We're a little bit over half of the way through the league. We'll talk again um, about a team in the AFC West in hour number two, the Las Vegas Raiders, who we've talked about in terms of the, you know, home and away primetime schedules and things of that nature. So we'll sign that spotlight in hour number two, and we've talked about their stud young running back, Josh Jacobs, a ton, mm-hmm. right, in terms of um, does he deserve the second contract, in terms of is he part of a committee or more of a workhorse he's one of those guys being drafted in as an rb1 and when you think about all those rb1s kev i wonder which is the one who's ultimately going to lead the league in rushing last Mm -hmm. year derrick henry he is the favorite again this year at plus 750 you know what i find interesting Kevin, we've talked about this. This is the last year for Derrick Henry on that deal in Tennessee. We talked about the idea of them drafting the kid Evans potentially as the heir apparent. You know, you 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 chuckle every time I say chew him up and spit him out. So yeah. if Henry may be in a chew him up and spit him out potential, that could be more carries. That could be more yards. Do you view Derrick Henry as a deserving
1: favorite to repeat being the league leader in rushing yards? So it, I'm, I'm, it's very funny that you ask that. Um, as I, you know, peeled through these odds, I came away, and I, I wrote this down like I, had, I, I knew the odds, um, but I knew them at, an, at another book. I did not know them at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And it sounds crazy at the FanDuel Sportsbook because you said they have them at what, plus seven? Derek Henry
0: is the favorite at plus 750. Plus
1: 750. Then uh, the next two are at 10 to
0: one, CMC mm-hmm. and Zeke.
1: So, I initially, again, the odds were a little bit lower at the other book. Wrote, I think you can make a case for Derrick Henry being an odds on favorite to lead the league in rushing. Now, that is, I mean, that's, you know, how like Mike Trout's like the odds on favorite to win like the AL MVP, which is preposterous, but you can somewhat understand. Here's the thing with Derrick Henry. Everything that you just Wait, read. you think it's preposterous that Trout is the favorite for AL MVP? Odds on favorite. So, like, oh, okay. minus money. Oh, my oh, God. It's money. Okay. Got yeah, you. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. No, of course he should. Of course okay. he should. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Odds no, no. on. Got I'm it. not a. No, 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 no. Mike Trout's my guy. He's an Eagles fan. I love Mike Trout. True. Um, So, I look through Derrick Henry and everything you just said about how many carries he should be getting and the fact that the Titans obviously lean on him. In yeah. terms of taking away carries, not much in a way of really kind of pulling away from him. But here's another thing that I'll give you, Dane. In the nine games that Tannehill started last year, mm-hmm. he averaged a ridiculous yeah. 124.9 yeah. yards. Especially per in average. December, right? Yeah. If exactly. you extrapolate that over a 16 game season, that average, he rushes for 1,998 yards. So honestly, now, I'm not telling you that Derrick Henry is going to rush for, for 2,000 yards, okay? Because right. I know that's crazy. And I know that there's only been, what, five or six guys maybe that have, that have ever done it. Uh, I think it's maybe, yeah. I think seven might actually be. That. I think it's seven guys that, are, that have ran for 2,000 yards in the history of the NFL. I'm not telling you that. But if you take regression for Derrick Henry, right? Add in the fact, though, that there's probably more carries potentially this year, or at the minimum, I'd say he's still a good favorite to lead the league in carries. But also, If he maintains the pace of what he had in the second half of last year. Right. The thing is, he doesn't need to maintain that pace. Because if Derrick Henry runs for 2,000 yards, this isn't a conversation. The gap between Derrick Henry running for 2,000 yards and he, he who just led the league. Like 15-something, right? It's so ridiculous. That's why, to me, again, despite being the favorite, because, you know, you kind of try and peel through it. Derrick Henry at plus 750 is my favorite bet for the rushing title. Really? Let me ask you this, and, and you know, <laughs> I was going to push you on one
0: level, and then I reminded myself that you like Ryan Tannehill a little bit more than I do as well. So, but I have to ask you, if this dude is, you know, dominating, right, running yeah. 157 in week one, 183 in week two, <laughs> 139 in week three, which was what he did, like, in the fantasy playoffs, right, and yeah. in the month of December, if that is happening, right, and the Titans are off to a 3 and one start, at what point, Kevin, do defenses start to be like, you know what, oh, I I'm going to force with- Ryan Tannehill to beat me? At what point do they stack the box? At what point are they like, you know what? the uh, You know, this idea of pick your poison, right? Yeah. How Bill Belichick likes to make you, quote-unquote, play left-handed. Well, I was surprised in the playoff game that Bill Belichick decided to try to make the Titans play left-handed, mm-hmm. but considered Derrick Henry the left hand. Yeah, they wanted yeah, yeah. to keep the safeties back. They were more afraid, Kevin, if you vibe with me on this, with the play action, A.J. Brown over the top game, right? That they never broke the tendency and was like, oh, Henry is the right hand. You know, they never did that. And that surprised me, honestly, Kevin. So if Derrick Henry is rolling, at some point, defenses are going to consider that the lead weapon and make mm-hmm. you play left-handed and give up the A.J. Brown stuff, right?
1: So I think it's funny because I do think, and I think you know this is somewhat, though, your answer is, is in the question, right? Where if they just say, okay, we're limiting Derrick Henry, as we saw last year, Ryan Townhill will just kind of pick him apart. Now, That's maybe the Tannehill thing the was a point on picking, though, right? No, no, no. Now, is it? At I mean, some what if the man through
0: it? seven games
1: has twelve hundred yards rushing, right. then yeah, it was interesting though because they didn't score. Oh, I cannot remember how much they scored against the Patriots. It was not a lot. Got it. It was not a lot, but they spent the whole game choosing Ryan, right, or choosing to keep Tannehill as the poison. And Derrick right. Henry did whatever they want, right. but it, but it wasn't necessarily resulting in points. So you kind of like whereas if you choose yeah. the poison the other way. Like, the, we just know that passing offenses are more dangerous. Where I thought you were going to take that, and that wasn't something I had considered, and you didn't, and maybe it is a little too silly, is the idea of Derrick Henry as an MVP. Now, again, mm. I know it's a quarterback's award, so maybe offensive I... player of the year is the better question. But would you say this, and again, I know it's a preposterous idea because that pace being kept is just not realistic, but if Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards, yeah. he'd be offensive player of the year, wouldn't? Offensive Player of the Year, I believe, yes. MVP, mm-hmm. I would still hold out judgment. Yeah, on. I agree. That's why. That's why. I,
0: I, yeah. Because did not Michael Thomas people. or CMC win that award last year? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the way they do it, they right? They, Tom- give the the they give the non-quarterback. They uh, give the non-quarterback that year, you know. Um, and here's what I'll say about Derrick Henry. But that no, that's what I'm saying. Like in this, in this, in this case study that you're putting out there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like forget that. then then that's the poison I'm picking. You you know what I mean? By the time we get to week six, week seven, like, oh, hell no. I'm stopping Derrick Henry. You want to go ahead and beat me, Ryan Tannehill? I'll tip my cap. But let's continue the conversation to guys that are not Derrick Henry. You know what I find interesting? Yes, Derrick Henry led the league in rushing last year at 1,540 yards. He missed one game. Remember that? He missed like week 16 also, if you remember that one, right? So actually, he ran for over 100 yards a game. He did the 1,540. 40 in 15 games. Kevin, you know he's the only back in the league to average 100 yards a game last year, the second highest in that uh in that stat would be Nick Chubb who had nerdy 93 yards a game. Mm. He played in 16, a little bit less, and he got just short of that 1500 yard threshold to finish second in the league in rushing 1494. I bring this up because at 13 to 1, he's the guy I think I would put my shekels on. Um Kevin Nick Chubb, all right, and here's why. I'm just not going with the favorite. I think it's hard to recreate um the idea of the rushing leader and what I told you comes to pass. To me, it's the same thing like, oh, RG3 set the league on storm with the read option or the Wildcat. Then the next year, they weren't going to let that beat them. I think this year, they're not going to let Derrick Henry be the sole thing that beats them, but I digress. When I look at the next two choices, right? CMC, brand new offense. They brought in some offensive weapons. It's still a, There's something of a TBD there for me. You also got to think I mean, McCaffrey set records and stuff last year. Maybe there's some regression for him as well. Mm -hmm. Zeke Elliott, same situation. The offense, I don't know. New head coach. They brought in a lot of pass-catching talent, right? We have open questions on if they're going to still be as run-heavy of an offense as before. So then when I look at the next three, for me, it's Nick Chubb at 13 to one, Saquon at 13 to one, and Dalvin Cook at 14 to one. I think Cook and Saquon do a lot of production in the passing game as well. So if this was scrimmage leaders, I might feel them. But at Nick Chubb, I think the Browns are going to be a better team. More opportunities to park the bus, run out the clock this year in fourth quarters, because I think they'll be up more. Right. I think Kareem Hunt is definitively the PPR pass catching role here. And Nick Chubb to me is just a damn stud. So and if I'm getting the value of 13 to one as opposed to seven or eight to one, I'll take that implied value. And you know, last year they were separated by what fifty yards, sixty yards. I like Nick Chubb as um as value at thirteen
1: to one, Kev. Yeah, Chubb's interesting to me, and maybe I'm allowing fantasy football to cloud my, uh, judgment here a bit, but, you know, right. Kareem Hunt came in and yeah. I was someone who owned Chubb and Kareem Hunt came in and, um, it's felt like cut into a lot of his work. Into the pie.
0: On the rushing side. Okay. That's, Literally yeah.
1: rushing yards, not like
0: production or he, Kareem Hunt got a receiving touchdown, but yeah. in strict rushing yards, what this bet is about.
1: Right. No. And, that, and that's why I said, I think fantasy could be clouding my judgment a bit there. Um, from a pure rushing perspective, that makes, it, it makes sense. Again, like to me, I just think that you, you kind of, I mean, like Derrick Henry was, you mentioned like a decent gap away, right, from the rest of the field with missing a game and playing, um, what do you do? So nine, so six. 46 games. more yards than Nick Chubb. Okay, 1540 versus 1494,
0: but then another big gap. Like Chubb outran number three by over 100 yards. Right. Okay. okay. So, like, only Chubb and Henry were the only people to get over 1400 yards in the season, you know?
1: And then you basically got the situation where he played six games with Mariota, which obviously was far less fruitful and missed a game, right? So I just still think that there's a consider like the <laughs> seven fifty gap. Like seven fifty is still like if you hit a, a bet that's plus seven fifty. Oh right? yeah, that's nice. You, like take that <laughs> into place. <a laughs> nice. Bet. Like you're talking about a double digit dog, sure. If not more. Yeah. I think James Connor. If you want to talk about a long long shot, Ooh. I think James Connor is worth a long long shot as part of a Steelers team. It's again the, the you know chew him up and spit him out concept. Mm. The yep. offensive line is always great. And I'm pulling from one of your uh, news and notes that you've brought us is Mike Tomlin talking about how he likes having a bell cow back.
0: That's true. He always has. He always will. So the question remains, who else do we find as long shots or good value? And we look at who these' leaving receiving as well. That's what we do when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge on Sports Grid Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin trying to project who we think could lead the league in rushing in the 2020 NFL season. We talked about Derrick Henry as one of the favorites. I mentioned Nick Chubb I like as value at 13 to 1. You know, Kevin, you gave us someone a little bit off the board. James Conner is going at 31 to 1 here yeah. on our friends on FanDuel. You make a good point. Tomlin has always had the bell cow. With Conner, though, I'm worried about injury. Yeah. Okay. You need a guy who's going to play 15, 16 games, right? And he's been a really banged up. They did bring in McFarlane. There's other guys in that committee. I don't know what roles they play, per se. Um, You know, of could be the lead dog, but I don't know if he's at that level and will make it for all the games. I got to get your reactions on one or two more uh, candidates for this award, Kev. Mm -hmm. First of all, I think it's amazing. Uh, I'm going to tell you... um, Aaron Jones is 26 to 1. Okay? okay. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. You and I both think he's like a good back. The reason they didn't need to draft A.J. Dillon, like a viable back end RB1, a high end RB2, something like that, right? A good mm-hmm. back. He's 26 to 1 to lead the league in rushing. Um, Lamar Jackson's 24-1, to Kevin. (laughs) So what do you make of this? Lamar Jackson at 24-1 to to lead the league in Russian. I found it fascinating that he's even on this list and ahead of names that I know you like. Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, ahead of Gurley, ahead of Jonathan Taylor, ahead of James Conner, ahead of Le'Veon Bell, ahead of Leonard Fournette, ahead of David Johnson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Melvin Gordon, Mark Ingram, Devin Singletary, all of these guys with far worse odds than Lamar Jackson to lead the league in rushing. I'll also tell you, um, because I found it, uh, Lamar Jackson has a prop bet for his rushing yards Mm. that right now is 919 and a half, Kev. Now, I know he ran for a 1,000 yards last year, But i take the under on that one. And no, I would not throw any shekels on Lamar. I don't know. I don't know that he's going to repeat the entire, you know, wealth of what he did last year with defenses all over him on it. What do you think? He was sixth in the NFL in rushing last year.
1: Yeah, so— I think part of that, with that bet there, is basically something that I've had to learn, is it doesn't mean that they necessarily think Lamar will run for more yards than a lot of those names you mentioned. That's generating even action, right? Yeah, it's that they're more likely to generate money on people giving a shot on Lamar. Right. Um, I will say, I would be cautious, I think, with that under bet, though. Like the over. I, I
2: Listen, he man. He runs
1: for 7, 920 again? Wow. He ran for 1,000 last year, and like I don't know well, hundred. he finished sixth in the league in rushing. And and how many, and this is the thing, Dane, how many yeah. times was he just not playing in fourth quarters? How Yeah, many times was and it remember, remember and he didn't play week 17 either, okay? Lamar Jackson, okay,
0: is sixth in the league in rushing, averaging 80 yards a game. You're absolutely right. He didn't play week 17. Yeah. And, you know, many times, not only when he didn't play, Kevin, but they were in a game flow spot where it was no longer necessary for yeah. him to run. Even before he might've been straight up sitting out, right? They, they get to a point where they didn't need to risk him in the run game as mm-hmm. much. And he still runs for 12.06, I'll give you that. I just, I, I, I don't think they risk
1: him he as much. 300 yards over that number. His and you want to take math. the under. He ran for 12.06 last year. Yes. I can say
0: regression of a 300 yards. Yeah. That is what I would be taking in the under bet. You have accurately identified the math. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, 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 I don't <laughs> love that again. I feel like your confidence is waning, though, in this bet as we talk through it. My fun, The reason
0: I make this is for two things. One, regression. B, you know the injury risk is always there, right? Well, that's then a whole different right, thing. I could say that with anybody, yes. But in the way the quarterback runs is different than the injury risk of a running
1: back leading the league in rushing. It's different. Right. But I'm saying then, if you are going to, if a part of the reason you're going to take an under on Lamar's rushing, yeah. right, is because of injury, yeah. then not only bet all of his unders, but bet the Ravens win total under. Take a shot on the Ravens to miss the oh, playoffs. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Well,
0: because I think he can have a great
1: season, run for
0: 800 yards, and the Ravens are still the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I think we're talking about 400 less yards than what he did last year. I mean, he's like he's in year three. What, is going to get worse?
0: No, I don't think he's going to get worse. I think that that the Ravens will become more conservative, and the league will continue will- to— yeah. Develop a blueprint. Not that it's going to be oh, 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 a okay. uh, uh, hugely successful blueprint, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't I don't think more it exists. Focus. This will be more of the attention. This will be, you sure. know, pick the poison kind of thing, yeah. right? And I don't think he's going to, you know, uh, run for three yards a game. But I, I think 19, remember, only once in NFL history did it happen. And so now you're telling me he's gonna do it back to back. That's like Russell Westbrook averaging the triple double and then like assuming he's gonna do it again. And I know he ultimately did.
1: <laughs> I love that example. I love did. That he, he did it again. That's he did it, he did But to make, would you have bet it though? Would you have bet it in the offseason that he'd do it again? No, no, but also did. He, he did hardly, right? Like his rebound and assist number were just, he you went say, over by right? 300 yards this prop, right? Did. I well, did, well, 280-something, but right. yes. yeah. I will say his passing prop, I remember reading up on this a bit, is one that is interesting in terms of an over because of how little this team was throwing, how often they were up, what he was averaging on a yard. You don't think he's
0: going to get worse, right? Isn't part of how he gets better by growing as a passer, utilizing him more in the passing game by yeah, definition and less in the running game? No, yeah, like that,
1: and I was I was okay. adding that to you. I I, all right, all right. I think I definitely think there's there's an argument to be made that the best bet in terms of the Lamar might be that overpassing prop. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly where it sits. I don't because I remember reading up on it, but I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. But there was something where it was like the number is almost at he was where he was at last year or even lower, and it's all <laughs> better. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. I'll try to find it for you guys. Um, at, yes, his passing yard prop is in essence, 3,200, 3,199 and a half. And so what got I'd have to bring up what he did last year. I had the rushing leaders up. Yeah. Um, but remember also, right. That, that 300 yards you're talking about, right. That he beat the prop by last <laughs> year, Kev over 15 or 16 games. That's 20 yards a game. Right. And the man averaged 80 yards a game to get to that astounding total. Right? If I told you that Lamar Jackson got 55 yards a game, you'd still be like, that's pretty damn good. You know what I mean? So it is interesting. And I think you're right. I'll get the passing stats up, um, you know, later on in the show. I -hmm. did want to turn our attention because, you know, you've been all about Bundesliga. Right? So, you know, you might take Derrick Henry, I might take Nick Chubb, Lamar Jackson, it's very intriguing. But one thing that's happening right now, or tomorrow, I believe, or this afternoon, I believe, yeah. is another big on Bundesliga game. You know, Leipzig has been one of those teams that I know is at the top of the table that you've kind of liked. They face off against Colm. And, you know, there's this one game to talk about but also how this plays into the trends we've been talking about, you know, the road, the road favorites, the what happens when you're playing two games on short rest, these sorts of things. So what are you finding in this game?
1: Yeah, so this is, again, it's a simple spot here, if I'm not mistaken. Leipzig are road favorites in this spot. And it's something that um, I intend to stick to until it kind of regresses. And what's been fascinating is to find out that maybe the best bets on the board is not just road favorites, but it's just road teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the road has seemingly been an advantage, at, or what, for whatever reason, uh, in Bundesliga play. A lot of people, have, you know, you see the conversation online. People have, uh, you know, begun to pick up on this. And the question that it, it makes me wonder is what the other leagues can take away from this, right? Right. Um, now it doesn't really apply to the NBA. They're going neutral site. Even the NHL is going to maybe two neutral site locations and maybe the NFL is so far away that maybe there actually will be fans back at NFL games so ironically yeah. enough the only the only league this might apply to is baseball but I just wonder if, if, if baseball were like yeah you know we want to get you know teams in their home stadiums and, and, and what have you if they look at this and they and they might just say you know what there's not really a benefit to being in the home stadiums for any of these teams mm. maybe right. it is financially better and logistically better to try and go one or two neutral sites mm-hmm. so, because right now what we are seeing is there's something to this where the road team whether it's not whether it's at an advantage or it is a almost level playing field because the home team is without the support behind them right and this is something we're still trying to figure out right what is the
0: impact of the the energy of the crowd, right, and how much do we attribute it? It's interesting, you know, Kevin. We may answer an age-old question, right? In the NFL, they give you three points on the point spread for the home team. You know, this could be an interesting case study yeah. to see if three points is still the right number. And right? I think there's some great data
1: scientists that can work to figure that out. Go ahead, Kevin. No, it's, I, I think that's actually a, that's an incredible point because the from what I've from what I've come to learn, right. If the odds makers were to just take the Bundesliga and right. pull the three points away, they'd be net, they'd be, they'd be getting hit with nothing but money. Then on the home teams, right? we'd everyone would be like, oh, you've 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 pulled away three points? That's a far too big of a of a reaction. So they might just have to pl- put the three points down now, and then week one go for all the road teams, and maybe the Bundesliga does carry over. Right. But I would think that the books have to somewhat read and react when it comes to this, because there's no telling that how Bundesliga road teams, whether that's apples to apples or apples to light bulbs.
0: Here's the problem. None of this is gonna be apples to apples, Kev, you know, because here's the other thing. What did we just talk about a couple of shows ago? The state of Texas, starting now, well, that, may yeah, have 25%, I mean, right? And who knows when we hit September, right? If some states, because the NFL, I've heard nothing about hubs, right? This will be home yeah. fields, right? So who knows if the state of Missouri is like no fans, but the state of Texas is like 25%. The state of Florida is like 50%. The state of New Jersey says no fans.
1: Who the hell knows? You know, we're still kind of in that vein. Go ahead, Kev. No, I I, th- I think they're unless... Because we talked about it the other day, right? The NFL Players Association was like, "Yeah, we're going to have fans, unless we get hit with a second wave, or we can tell one is coming before the NFL season is opening." Yeah, I think we're going to have fans. Right. It might not be. Now, I don't think it's going to be one hundred percent. But we're hearing twenty-five percent, fifty percent. You know, so it's it's not even. I mean, it's just June. We talked about this pre-June twenty-five percent. Yeah. So, so
0: maybe it moves that think? right direction. Right. We'll see. But again, there's the there's the potential for it to move in a positive direction, but also for something of a relapse. We will uh, we'll obviously see over the course of the summer. You know, Kev, this nation just came off a crazy hard weekend um, of protests, you know. And so I wanted to, you know, and they call me the spitting statistician, stable genius and vocal minority for a reason. But we're not going to get into that. Um, I do want to share with you a different kind of protest story, but we'll do that on the other side of the break. Hour number two will be going on here about the early line. We shine our attention, our roster reset. We look at the Las Vegas Raiders. The wind is a pirate, right, Kev? So we'll find out more about that when we come back. Hour number two is coming up with the early line.